We know that all earthly things will one day fade away. But prayer lasts through eternity. So when you pray, know this, that the ears of the Lord are attentive to the prayers of the righteous. And prayer is not merely a position on your knees, but more a disposition of your heart. Get to the place where you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in the presence of anyone else. Learn to discern his whisper above the noise of this world. And then, then discover what it means to pray without ceasing so you can live without fear. Prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest human privileges that we have. Hello. Hola. Bonjour. Okay, that's all I got. Give me a few more. Give me a few more. Okay, that works. Woo. That's, a, that's also a synonym for hello is woo. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. I did want to mention one thing you might have seen on the screen was a disaster relief. Some of our friends, uh, so a friend church of ours in Nashville have been directly impacted by the tornadoes this week. So if you would like to learn more about that and how you can help support the body of Christ, because how many of you know when one of us in the kingdom is hit, we all want to help, right? We all want to come alongside. So visit our website if you'd like to learn more about how you can help a friend church of ours in Nashville, because that's a big deal, right? <laughs> we are in a series called When You Pray. We've heard about Kiss Me, which is about intimacy. We've talked about Search Me, transparency before God. Last week was Answer Me, vulnerability before God. And today we're going to talk about Guide Me. How many of you need a guide? Yeah. Let's take this to the Lord in prayer right now. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we come to you today. We thank you that we have you. Lord, we pray for your guidance in this moment, in this service. Lord, that you would guide our hearts, you would guide my words, Father, that you would open our hearts to receive what you would have us to know about you and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of questions that go through my mind, like, often. I, how, what am I supposed to do? How is this supposed to work? Like, okay, maybe I know what I'm supposed to do, but how do I actually do that? A lot of that who, what, where, when, why questions go through my mind often, and sometimes there's a lot of feelings behind those questions. One, one time where the feelings were really high when I had a lot of questions was 28 years ago when I first entered the immigration process. How many of you been there? All right. Give us a woo because it was hard work, people. <laughs> so I'm 20 years old. There's no Google. There's no consulting. There's just documents and paperwork and lots and lots of words, English words, supposedly. But how many of you know that government words are not actually English words? They don't make any sense. And I'm 20 and I'm trying to figure this out. I know kind of what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to immigrate legally so that I can be married to Randy, but I don't know what to do. And it's confusing. I don't know what's the next step. And I know that the stakes are high. If I mess this up, can I, what happens? I don't want to make mistakes, but I desperately needed a guide, a guide. We live in a society right now where we are desperate for guidance. How many of you are addicted to YouTube tutorials? Have you effectively learned how to highlight your face, ladies? Yes, all right. We love the YouTube tutorials. We love self-help books because we want guidance. We have a lot of questions. Where do I go to college? 
What should my major be? Is, is now the time for a career change? Do I take the early retirement or do I hope that this thing can see through to the end? And then there's some very deep questions that we have that maybe aren't distinct outward steps to take, but they're how do I raise my children to know and love God? How do I do this thing called marriage well? How do I heal that broken relationship? How can I walk away and be healed from the hurt from my past? How do I deal with this addiction that I can't seem to get rid of? We've got questions and we want a guide. Because without a guide, we feel that insecurity. There's hesitation. Is this, this, no, this way, that, uh. There's an unsettled that sets into our heart. Just this ongoing, is this right? Am I doing okay? Fear. Sometimes straight up analysis, paralysis. There's so many different ways I could go that I think down every one and I still don't know what's right. We don't want to look back and regret. Maybe some of us have already done some things where we have felt that regret and we definitely don't want to do that again. But what do we do? We don't want to look back and regret. We want to look back and rejoice, right? But we know, I don't really know what I'm doing. Randy shared with you before that last summer we had the amazing privilege of going on a mission trip that at the end of the mission trip in Kenya, that we ended with a safari. We're staying in the bush, in tents, there's very minimal fencing. I think it was only for animals that were like that big, for real, it was like a wire. But the big stuff, oh yeah, they're walking through the, t- the, the camp. So that's, a, you know, in the day you can kind of, you know, okay, have an appreciation for you. But at night we were not allowed to walk alone. <laughs> There was a path between tents, but it's straight up bush on either side. I mean, it's just a little narrow thing. But whenever we needed to get back to our tent at night, you had to call for the guide. And the guide, really kind guys, they had a club. Okay, I have a question. (laughs) We're talking hippos and hyenas and lions and leopards, and we've got a club? Okay, I'm from Canada. I'm not like a huge gun fan, but I would have been okay with it right then. I'm okay with shooting things that eat me. So we had a club and he had a flashlight. Just enough to light a few steps and to say, hey, watch that. There's a little thing right here. Okay, to the left. Just real kind. He's just right with us. See, he knew what sounds we needed to be aware of and what sounds were nothing. I'm, I'm afraid of, I mean, every sound was kind of like, what? Oh, I, ooh. I mean, I'm imagining being someone's dinner. <laughs> I was really happy to stay close to this man. But he was ready to protect me and guide me and make sure that we got to our destination. There's a difference between lead and guide. To lead is to make a way, but to guide is to accompany, to walk with me and show me the way. Instruct me in the way that I should go. We can't guide ourselves through this life because I haven't been where I haven't been. That's like brilliant statement right there, but think about it. I haven't been there yet. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what it looks like. I can't guide myself through what I don't know. We need a guide. And we've got all these voices coming at us and tutorials and books and all kinds of opinions, but how many of you know there's only one qualified to be our guide? 
We have great news. We have a guide with a capital G. And our guide is not just any guide. He is God. God himself is our guide. Psalm 32, 8, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Psalms 3, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. And John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will tell us what is yet to come. The destination that he guides us to here is all truth. Well, God is the truth. In him is truth. He is truth. It's interchangeable. So he's not just trying to tell us what to do. He's trying to reveal a fullness of who he is, the fullness of his heart for us, his plan for you, his plan for me, the healing that is available to us, the intimacy that's available to us, the truth of his presence for us, the relationships that he has for us, all of that, not just what to do next. I don't know about you, but I'm down for that. <laughs> yes, please. But here's the key, just like in those tents, and Randy and I were very willing, we have to invite the guide. In the morning, it's still dark, we're trying to make our way back, it is, it's dark. We don't know, but we've heard it all night long. We, we heard the things, they were there. And they were, they're really fun to look at in the day, it's a little unnerving to hear them at night. <laughs> so we unzip, the, the, the zipper goes right to the ground, and we, you have to like take your little flashlight and signal so the guide will come. But well, we like opened it like this far, stick your hand out. <laughs> like we're not giving any extra space to what me, might be out there. But we had to call our guide to basically say, we can't do this without you. And every day, that's where we can start with God, is that prayer. God, guide me. I can't do this without you. Come and accompany me right now. So how does God guide well, the first thing is God speaks. God speaks. In John 9 and 10, Jesus is in a discussion with disciples and some religious leaders, and basically he's trying to help them distinguish between those that are his followers and those that are not. And in that conversation, he makes something really clear that's very comforting to us. So let's look at John 10, verses two through five. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. God speaks to guide us. And like you picture the shepherd, like you know, all the fields of shepherding we've got around here in North Atlanta. <laughs> okay, lean back on your National Geographic documentary days. They're out there, the shepherds. They've got sheep all around them, but they're with the sheep. They're not saying, hey, sheep go here, sheep go there. They're not sending them, they're accompanying them. And they're guiding them with their voice. They're gentle, they're protective, they're caring and they're aware. 
We hear in Psalm 23, it talks about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, here's why it's comforting. A staff, you know the big thing with the hook on it? A staff saves. The rod protects, but the voice guides. It's a really neat thing about sheep that if you were to mingle two flocks together and they were kind of all mixed together and there's two shepherds, maybe they're chatting about what they're going to do for lunch or something like that, they can be all mingled together and you'd be thinking, how, how are you going to know which ones are yours? Well, at the end of this conversation, when one shepherd goes this way, the other shepherd goes that way, they each just call to their sheep, hey, and they know the voice of their own shepherd and they just split apart and go the right way. They know his voice. He guides us with his voice. So Jesus makes this analogy, which is so powerful, that as a shepherd, he's accompanying. He's always there. He never leaves us. But the other part of it is that we are the sheep. Okay, sheep are cute and cuddly and all that, but they are not the smartest. You know, like they're just not. But here's something that sheep do not come equipped with, and that is the ability to navigate themselves. They need to be led. They need to be guided. So here's the great news for us. If that's how God designed us, then he does not expect us to figure it out on our own. If he designed us to need a shepherd, that means that he is already in the place of wanting to be that for you and for me. So we don't have to come wondering and begging, will you please guide me? He's like, of course. That's what I, I made this to work like this. Of course. You were meant to be right here with me. Of course. I will guide you. I will guide you. And we become attuned to the voice of our shepherd. His voice is gentle. It's kind. There's no screaming shepherds. How many of you have seen the, the YouTube videos of the fainting goats? Okay, those are, they are hilarious. I mean, I die laughing every time. But I kind of imagine that some of us, and myself included, have had times in our lives when we thought the voice of God was screaming at us. And internally, I kind of do the same thing. Whoop, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Because I, how do I respond to that? How do I follow that? But that's not his voice. If the voice you hear is screaming, that's not the voice of God. He's gentle. He's gentle. A voice can bring us calm and security. I was, I was a pretty insecure little girl. I have, my hair's still curly. I straighten it out now. But it was really, really curly, like little orphan Annie curly. And it was in the age of little orphan Annie. Red hair, buck teeth, and freckles. It, it's not how you win popularity contests when you're seven, eight, nine years old. So my insecurity level was really high. I never want to hear any songs from Little Orphan Annie's musical ever again. I don't care that the sun will come out tomorrow. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be likened to it. These were painful moments, painful moments. But at the core, I was so insecure. But I had this Sunday school teacher that loved me. And when Eleanor Morrison said my name, hey, Sherry, everything kind of, okay, she knows me, she loves me, she cares about me. There's power in a voice to dissipate hesitation, to dissipate fear, to bring us calm. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He knows us. When we hear the voice of the one who knows us, who knows the path for us, who knows our tendencies, who knows what'll trip us up and where we're strong, who knows us. That's like if we're in a real dark place and we hear that voice, it's like a light comes on. 
and we have just enough that is steady us. Take away that hesitation, just, just enough that I'm okay. I'm okay because I can hear you. I can hear that you're here. I can hear that you with us. you're with me. His voice assures me that the one who loves me most and knows me best is right here accompanying me. So you have a guide. I have a guide. He is close. He's accompanying you. He's accompanying me, and he's speaking. He's guiding you with his voice. I want more of his voice. He's the only one qualified to show me the way. Anybody else want more? Yes. So how can I know his voice? Well, God speaks his word. So God speaks, and God speaks his word. What God speaks will always align with what God has spoken. Anything he speaks to us will always come into alignment and agreement with what he's already spoken to us in his written word. This is really good news because God doesn't change. Here's why it's great news that God doesn't change. His voice doesn't change. You know how you have the voice changers on like Instagram and Snapchat and all the things now? Can you imagine if every time you got home your, voice, your spouse had a different voice? I'd be like, excuse me, and who are you in my house right now? No, the consistency of knowing this is what my husband sounds like. This is what my dad sounds like. That's what my teacher sounds like. The consistency of being able to recognize someone by their voice brings assurance. That, okay, this is the one I'm trying to listen to. This is the one that I want in my home and not a stranger. I'm not gonna follow a stranger. God doesn't change. Therefore, we can come to his word and it's a tool. We become a student of the word in part because it helps us with voice recognition. What does he sound like? What kind of words does he use? What is the tone of God? What is the heart that he comes with? So when I hear something that I'm like, ah, is that... I don't, I don't know if that's what the Lord would say. We've got a baseline of voice recognition to go, no, that's probably not him. Let me give you an example. I know my husband's voice really well. I know what he likes and what he doesn't like. If anybody were to ever come to me and say, Randy would like extra onions on his salad, I'd be like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Dude rebukes onions in the name of the Lord. He is not about to eat an onion. I know what he would say. Likewise, there's this voice recognition by being in the word. When we approach it to say, let your word teach me who you are and how you speak and what you're like and what your heart is like. Let your word instruct my heart so that I can know and distinguish and follow the right voice. And the beautiful thing is, even in the moment in the word, he's the one teaching. We don't have to figure it out ourselves. Isaiah 50, verse four, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's important to know when it talks about true versus wrong. We're not talking about legalism and like do this and don't do that or you're gonna get beaten or something. It's not about that. 
It's telling us the difference between the true path of God that leads to rejoicing and a path that will lead to regret. That's where it's coming from. It's not about you better do what I want. It's about I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. That's truth. And then there's the bewares and don't choose these things and there's specific guidance, why? Because it will harm you. That's a loving father. The Bible does have specific guidance within it. There's a lot of things that we have to come to the Lord individually, but there's some things that are very specific. Love, forgiveness, how to handle some money, wisdom, relationships. There's some things that are really clear, like love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who use you, forgive. A soft answer turns away wrath. My friends, don't take revenge. The borrower becomes slave to the lender. There's some real specific guidance. Well, I have a confession. Anybody else argue with their GPS on their car? Yeah. So Friday, I'm down in Buckhead. I was trying to get my hair done. I don't know my, I only know how to get there and back and only with help of the GPS. I'm actually pretty good at directions. So I kind of have a general sense of where I am, but I can't, Atlanta's roads don't make any sense, right? So I'm trying to come back. I've got ways on and it is taking me like to parts of Atlanta I've never seen before. This is taking forever. It's supposed to take maybe 50 minutes. It took me two hours. I can't even describe to you where I was because I don't know. That's how disoriented I was. But me and Waze were having some words with each other. I mean, it just kept sticking to its way, but I was talking back to it a little bit. I, Randy and I both kind of have a tendency to argue with our GPS, and I don't want to tell you which one of us is worse, but it's definitely him. So, but at some point, I have to yield to it. I have to yield to it and trust that maybe it knows something I don't know. And on Friday, the thing that Waze knew that I didn't know was called a presidential motorcade. <laughs> and it was trying to get me around everything that was closed, and it was a delightful long trip home. But at some point, I did yield to it. See, God is not a GPS. He's a person. And this is a relationship. But we have to be willing when we come to his word to yield to what he's saying. Too often, we question the word instead of asking questions about the word. So when we come to God and we're sitting under and we're just trying to learn of his word, instead of saying, what? Why would I even do that? To be able to say, Lord, that's hard to swallow. Can you tell me about that? Why would you have me do that? Don't ask God to prove his word. Ask him to reveal it. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Well, the purpose of a light is illumination. If the word was given to be a lamp and a light, that it was meant to illuminate, which means it's also meant to be revealed to us. He didn't give us the word to hide himself. He gives us the word so that little by little he may reveal himself, that we might have this big fancy word called revelation. <laughs> Revelation just means to see something you couldn't see before. And his word is that device, not a device, but it's a method in which he shows us something we couldn't see before. So we need to open the word and sit under the word. And just like in Kenya, when that guide came, he's shining the light. I kind of knew the general vicinity of where the tent probably was, but that light only showed me a few more steps 
a little bit more of the path, not the whole thing. Why? Because uh, he probably didn't want me to like make a run for it. <laughs> I got it. I can see it. No, he wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. One of the best amplifying or hearing devices that we can have when we sit with the word is a pen. To sit ready to hear from God. And it's not all touchy-feely. I am a journaler. How many of you are journalers? Okay, it's not all touchy-feely. There's actually scientific proof that when we hand write, it activates parts of our brain that are associated with learning and processing. So when we sit with the Lord and we have a pen ready to capture what we sense or capture a thought or even write a question where there's an expectancy that we will have coming to the word to teach me. Teach me by your word. Guide me by your word. So let's read with an open heart and an expectancy to receive from God. Luke 8, 18. So pay careful attention to your hearts as you hear my teaching. For to those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. But to those who do not listen with open hearts, what little light they imagine to have will be taken away. God loves to reveal himself to you and to me. Be patient. The sitting and the revealing, he doesn't bring it all at one time. In fact, when Moses wanted to see the glory of God at Mount Sinai, I had to remember which mountain it was for a second. Did you see that? <laughs> he asked to see the glory of God and basically God said, I'm gonna put you in this little corner and I'm gonna actually kind of also hold my hand over you because if you saw it all, it would kill you. If we could see everything there was to see of God right now, we would be overwhelmed to the point that we wouldn't survive. So it's in his grace that he chooses to reveal step by step, by facet by facet, from glory to glory. We have to sit and be patient as he unfolds himself to you. What I love is he chooses to reveal himself and then accompanies us on the path. He won't necessarily show us the path because if you're like me, if I think I've got it, I'm on it. But if he shows me more of him and his heart and his way and his word, then I'm more likely to stick with him and let him use his staff and his rod to save me, to protect me, and his voice to speak to me. I want that. I love this promise. Isaiah 40, verse 16, but I'll take the hand of those who don't know the way, who can't see where, where they're going. That's me. I'll be a personal guide to them, directing them through unknown country. I'll be right there to show them what roads to take, make sure they don't fall into the ditch. These are the things I'll be doing for them, sticking with them, not leaving them for a minute. What a promise of God, that he'll be right here. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He'll never take us half a path and say, see ya personal guide that ensures that we get everything that he has for us. So God speaks, God speaks through his word and God speaks personally. The Bible is called Logos, which is a written word of God, but he also gives us Rhema, which is a spoken word. It literally means utterance. God literally will utter and speak words to you, to your heart. Now, this is not weird. 
This is not weird. Lily Tomlin, who's hilarious, by the way, and for all the younger people, she's a comedian, okay? <laughs> Why is it that when we talk to God, we're prayers, but when he talks to us, we're schizophrenic? <laughs> it's not weird to hear God. It's not weird that he speaks to us. But sometimes our expectations can get in the way. We live in a culture right now that is very extra, right? Like we like Super Bowl bashes and halftime shows and conferences. We like pyrotechnics and amplifiers and rock concerts. We love the extra. I mean, even now gender reveals are like a big thing. I mean, it's come a long way since we were having kids. It's a boy, it's a girl. Awesome. Now it's like, you know, it's a thing. We love extra. And how many of you know that as believers, we kind of like extra? We like the big services and the big conferences and the big, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And, that, and the Lord does use big things. Not every spectacular encounter is from God. And not every encounter with God feels spectacular. See, there was no productions in the Bible, no Disney experiences. God's version at that time was like thunder and earthquakes and fire and raining things out of heaven and all that kind of stuff. Those were the amps and the pyrotechnics. And God did use those things to get people's attention, but they were never meant to guide or sustain. So in 1 Kings 18, we, we look at Elijah, and this is, this is a, we can learn from him in this. Elijah was a prophet. He had just done this huge face-off against 450 prophets of the false god Baal. And then there's just him serving our God, the living God. And they've got all these altars with sacrifices and wood and everything. And they're praying basically to say, oh yeah, my God's going to burn these things up by sending fire from heaven, not yours. Well, these prophets of Baal, they pray and they pray and they call down fire. And of course, nothing happens because Baal's not the real deal. But then Elijah, he ups the ante. He covers the sacrifices. He covers the altar. He douses it with water three times. So there's literally like a moat around the altar. It's so saturated with water. And then he prays to God, our God, who sends down fire. And it not only consumes the sacrifice, it consumes the sacrifice, the altar, and the water. It's gone. How do you burn water? Well, God can. <laughs> God can. I mean, this showdown, this was a big deal. And they're in a drought, and Elijah's the one to say, this drought's going to end. And then sure enough, here comes the, the torrents of rain, and here comes God again. And then he has this race through a valley with the chariots of the, of the king chasing after him. And he on foot outruns the chariots because of the supernatural power of God. This is spectacular. And then Jezebel comes and says, tomorrow you're going to die. And Elijah's in a cave, scared to death, unsure, hesitant, and fearful. Because the spectacular was never meant to sustain but let's see what God does next in 1 Kings 19, verse 11 through 13. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave because he recognized there was something different about that. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Spectacular experiences don't sustain us. 
Can you imagine living under a constant floodlight all the time? They actually use that to torture people. But yet the still small voice of God, just sitting with me, talking with me, revealing to me. We can be so intent on what is loud or grandiose that we miss the peace and the simplicity of the still, small, near voice. What guided Elijah out of that cave and guided him forward guides us today. God guides us with a whisper. To the left, I'm right, I'm, it's okay, I'm here. Okay, watch to the right. Let's head over here. No, you can do it, I'm here. Just a few more steps. Not the whole path, but for today. We're a culture that's not very good at being quiet. We've lost some of the art of stillness, myself included. There's a lot of noise around and in. When we're present with a friend and we want to hear the deep things, the intimate things, the special things, the bonding things, we whisper. We're not gonna be like, hey, come join me at this party, I'm gonna tell you everything that happened last night. And we're like, hey, come on, come on, I wanna talk to you. Let's just talk. We get away, we get still, we get quiet. See, God doesn't wanna be a consultant. He wants to be a friend, a friend that we lean in. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. We tell our friends things that are individual, personal. We tell our secrets to our friends. We whisper to those close to us. We don't whisper to strangers, that would be incredibly weird. God connects spirit to spirit, and his voice sounds a lot like yours. Like, what does it actually sound like? A lot like your own thoughts, but with those thoughts, there's a peace, there's a clarity, there's a weightiness to it that's different than my own thoughts. See, God does big things with small prompts. We just have to be still enough to let him speak. Many years ago, um, well, one way that the Lord will speak to my heart, I don't always hear like, I don't, I've never heard like an audible voice of God. I just have like a, a thought that is accompanied with an impression that I'm like, well, that wasn't my own thought. And like I said, it's accompanied by peace or, or weightiness in some way. But sometimes they'll also use my imagination. Like I just see a picture real quick. It's not a full vision, like things falling from heaven, but just an imaginary picture. And the Lord will show me something. And it's like, all of a sudden you understand something just with this little picture. So years and years ago, the Lord gave me this picture of the state of my heart. I was very, very busy internally, striving, proving, trying so hard, fighting through hesitancy, trying to get my courage up to do things and really, really anxious to know, am I doing this right? Am I on the right path? Is this gonna work out? And in this picture that the Lord gave me, I saw him at a table, like a dining table for two, and it had like the white cloth, it was super fancy, 
you know, candlelight and the whole nine yards, and God was sitting at the table. And I didn't see God, I just knew that God was there. And I had the little towel on my arm coming up. Okay, what can I do? Can I take your order? <laughs> what is it that I'm supposed to do? What would you like me to do? And then I'd get it, I'd be like, okay, great. And I'd run off, and as quick as I can, I'd get this all worked out, and then I'd come back. All right, got it. What else? What else do you want? What else do you need? And this went on a few times in this picture. The feelings of that running back and forth, I could feel very loud and clear. But then the Lord said, hey, that spot, that chair right there, that's for you. I don't want you running around taking orders, trying to do everything right. I just want to sit with you. I just want to talk to you. I just want to be with you. I want to share my heart with you. Be close to you. Well, feeling that, oh yeah, that's exactly what I've been trying to achieve with all this running around. The Lord's saying, have a seat. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Psalm 25, 14. There's a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. There's a quiet place reserved for you today. A private place, one-on-one, -on -one, spirit to spirit. He wants you to be near, he wants you to hear. He's speaking right now. He's asking, hey, just, just take a breath and be still. When you hear my voice, you'll take that breath of courage, you'll have what you need for this journey. When you hear my voice, you'll be calm. When you hear my voice, you're gonna be sure that there's rejoicing at the end of this and not regret. When you hear my voice, you'll know my heart. And isn't that what we really need? Would you close your eyes with me? God, today we come to you and we pray, guide me guide me. Lord, we say that only you, only you can guide us. You're the only one that has what we need today, Father. Lord, we will follow your voice. We want to hear you. We want to listen to you. Jesus, would you come and whisper to us right now, I pray that every heart would be opened, Lord, that the stillness of the Holy Spirit would settle on each person, Father, that they would hear the gentleness of your still, small voice for them. Father, that right now your voice would calm, your voice would reassure, your voice would cast out all fear, your voice would steady, that your voice would guide, that your voice would clarify and reveal. God, we want to see you. We want to hear you. 